You're listening to The Athletic Mind with your host, Taylor Cook and Lauren Williams. Welcome back to another episode of The Athletic Mind, where we dig deep and shed light on the mental side of sports for athletes and coaches by having open conversations about mental health, mindset, and performance. And are you frozen? No way, Taylor, you froze. (laughs) God damn. (laughs) No, Taylor, wait. Okay, now you're back. Now I did not hear a single thing of all I heard was back and take two we are back after four months oh it was a long four months filled with a lot for me i know and for you too lots of traveling and moving around and uh yeah good times for the most part Mm -hmm. i think yeah yeah absolutely we've both been just a little nomadic recently huh I feel like I'm never in one place for very long. Like you get settled and then you get comfortable and then it's like, okay, it's time to move again. Yeah, time to pack your shit up. Have fun. (laughs) Yeah. And packing not just like my life, but then also the dog has also proven to be interesting as well. So that's a new added bonus. Yeah. Yeah. Driving across the country with a dog. Highly recommend, honestly. It was a lot of fun. How long did you guys travel for again? Like you went from St. Louis to Calgary. Is that how, is that where you went? No, 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 no. Uh so I went from Boston to Windsor. Um, mm-hmm. that's like a eleven ish, twelve hour drive. And then I was in Windsor for a couple of days. And then I planes trained and automobiled my way up to Hockey Canada camp. And I was there for two weeks, um, got back to Windsor and was there for a couple days and then like really packed up my life and drove, I think because we, we made a little pit stop at Mount Rushmore and ended up being like 35 hours Yeah, to Calgary. And here we are. And here we are. 35 hours with the dog too with Milo oh yeah he was a trooper he slept the whole time like the worst road trip companion because you know no help at all but no one to talk to the worst yeah (laughs) yeah well I had my mom so that was nice okay never mind I take it back you got to talk with mom so that's good (laughs) yeah yeah for the most part that was good (laughs) (laughs) yeah Luckily, I did not have as much driving as you did. It was just like the hassle of going from Germany to Finland in Finland until the end of July and then back to Germany. So it was not that hectic, but. But driving with a dog is way easier than flying with a dog. Like, mm, that's I would take true. That. I would take that any day because I was I was telling the story the other day where you were flying was it to maybe to Finland and you had Charlie and the airline was like well we can't tell you if we have a spot for your dog until you buy the tickets for yourself and you're like yeah. well I'm not buying my tickets if you don't have a spot for the dog and it's like, it doesn't make any sense like, yeah why <laughs> that was literally the worst experience ever it was so awful and so yeah. luckily you know this time I at least had 
a little bit of like forewarning as to when we were moving. So I had some flexibility to choose. So yeah. I got to book it well ahead of time, get him booked on the flight. There was no stress there. But then the stress came when we were flying. I got to the airport like 5 a.m. And they're like, oh, his carrier is too small. We can't take him. So we're going to put you on the evening flight and you're going to have to come back with a much bigger carrier for him. I was like, no way. Cost me 200 what? euros to get a brand new carrier for him. What? <laughs> yeah. Well, how is it too small for him? He grew like, a lot in the summer, but okay. they were, they were just like, he can't stand up like comfortably. So you have to go get a new one. Okay. I was like, eh, okay, but he's going to be laying down the whole, anyway, to anybody yeah. who's like, you know, maybe understands like the dog situation. It's, it's a struggle. So we got an extra large carrier and we better not have to buy another one. After this. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Don't mind me. I'm just about to do like the most British thing ever and pour myself another cup of tea. <laughs> have some high tea. Yeah. Think he's up. <laughs> it's getting, it's getting me through today. So <laughs> For context, Lauren has COVID and strep throat, so she's doing really well. Thriving. Cheers. Absolutely thriving. <laughs> oh, God. oh, yeah, but it's but, good to be back, though. I'm super stoked about everything we have coming down the pipeline, mm -hmm. moving into the, the new season, which is uh, crazy because it's coming up quite soon, or some places have actually already started their seasons, which is... Yeah. Time flies. Yeah, it never ends. It never ends. It's like a cycle where you think you get a break and then all of a sudden there is no break and you're going again. Mm -hmm. But to echo your sentiments, it's kind of an exciting year. We've got a lot of things going on on the professional front. Mm -hmm. One league. Let's go. It's needed to happen for a long time. For um, at least like four years. I graduated 2019 and that's when the CW folded and then I went overseas. So like that's the whole reason that I'm even still here. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was just saying the other day, yeah. like, God, I really wish I was born a few years later. That way I could enjoy the possibility of being in this league, having just retired, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That would have been nice. <laughs> But then we wouldn't be here doing this. So it's true. It's very true. That's all right. That's Everything all right. happens for a reason. Yeah. You gotta take you gotta take life with the I don't know where I was going with this, with the lemons it gives you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it's maybe you're getting your analogies mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> I think you meant like take life with a grain of salt maybe or when life gives you no, lemons, actually, make lemonade I, was say, I don't know I was gonna say take life by the balls but I didn't think that was appropriate, appropriate. but here we are anyways so we're doing it <laughs> oh god um but seriously beginning of a new season let's talk about the PWHL for a hot second what does this mean for women's professional ice hockey uh living wages hopefully mm -hmm. if not now definitely in the near future um yeah. gonna be obviously huge in terms of like marketing women's hockey overall I know the PWHPA over the last what like four years has made huge strides in in advocating for women's hockey and of course so has the the PHF um, mm -hmm. but now we finally have one place where people can gather and see some really great hockey in, in North America. 
And honestly, I don't know, like I'm super stoked because like, obviously I, I wish I could have been playing there myself and could have seen that happen, but it's going to create so much more opportunity, not just for the women who are still playing, but for the younger generations that are like just getting into university or just maybe getting into high school. And they have those aspirations long-term to play professionally. And then on top of that, like there's role models, there's visibility now, like little girls can look up and be like, Oh my God, I want to be like her one day. I didn't really have that opportunity that much. Every four years. Yeah. Every four years. Um, I was explaining this to one of the kids that I coach now that like growing up, I didn't, I did not know that college sports existed because it was never promoted in my town. Um, I knew who like Megan Augusta was and Jillian Apps and Haley Wickenheiser. Like I knew those names, but the only time that I ever heard or saw them was in an Olympic Jersey. So like my idea of being good at hockey was playing in the Olympics and that was about it. Mm -hmm. And um, I saw this, a really moving interview um, from Marta, the Brazilian soccer player who was talking about an encounter she had with somebody saying like, or she was at a press conference and was, she was talking about like the growth of women's soccer. And she basically said, you know, when I was a kid, I never got to see female players on TV because you didn't want to put women's soccer on TV. And she's talking to all the broadcasters, of course. Mm-hmm. And she was like, and now these little girls and their parents see me on the street. They know who I am and they tell me how inspired they are to play the same sport that I play because they watched me or they watched my team play. And it's exactly what you're talking about. Like, and the the PWHPA used this as a slogan, right? If she can see it, she can be it. Mm-hmm. And it's so true with sports. Like the reason why men's sports have thrived is because there's been such a low threshold for what they need to do mm-hmm. because they're so visible. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. Absolutely everywhere. Yeah. And that's, that's so moving. And I don't know if maybe if it was, it was definitely in, in women's uh, women's soccer during the world cup, but I saw that someone had created a a video and it went viral and they were, they photoshopped all of the women's clips to look like men to promote it. And then to like show that, you know, women's sports are just as competitive and just as exciting and engaging as men's sports are. And honestly, they should do that for the women's game to try and promote it too. Like they should be doing that for every sport because we've seen record numbers in so many different um, like tournaments and sports in the last year, like women's, yeah. women's sports are growing incrementally and it's not going to stop anytime soon, of course, because yeah. people are recognizing like there's huge opportunity here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So and just I'm just speaking out loud, like going, I just had to look this up. So women's sports um going off the charts right now, like Nebraska just set a record breaking um attendance record 
they played outdoors in their men's football stadium. And there was over like, I think there was like 90,000 people there watching women's volleyball packed a football stadium. If you give women the opportunity, they will not let you down and people want to watch people will go and it will be entertaining. Um, Wisconsin volleyball played a game against Merrimack and I I think they might have been in the Kohl Center. They were in a like a larger venue than what they normally have. Mm-hmm. 19,000 people packed. Set a set a record in the state of Wisconsin for a women's um sporting event. They beat out uh the team that I was on when we did a fill the bowl game in the Kohl Center and we I think we had 17,000 people there. Damn. So like huge records are meant to be broken but they can't be broken if you don't give women the platform. Mm-hmm. and Absolutely. I think part of the problem we've had with women's ice hockey kind of bringing this conversation full circle and why the PWHL I ultimately hope is going to help us solve this issue as we've been dividing resources between two leagues for a long time yeah and we just don't we like the resources aren't there yet both staff wise and player wise to put the best product on the stage so hopefully with having one league all of those resources can finally start to come together and it seems like they are i'm excited to watch the draft today um but yeah it's really exciting times for women's sports in general especially ice hockey mm-hmm. we know that's where our heart lives oh always like i i got chills like thinking about seeing the headlines you know maybe a couple uh couple of months or maybe years i don't know hopefully months down the road when they have yeah. the stadiums packed for the women's games Right? Yeah. Like it's, it's going to be really competitive because obviously this is like a, a, a league for the best of the best, you know, they have at least 18, according to Forbes anyway, 18 top women's hockey stars that have signed already. And three, mm-hmm. I think it's like three or four to each team, uh, each of the six teams, uh, Hillary Knight, Marie-Philippe Poulain, uh, of course, being some of them, Sarah Nurse, of course, uh, and yeah, like the the draft. I don't. I'm not going to be able to watch it, unfortunately. But seeing the list of those names, like 268 players, it's going to be competitive. And as a goalie, oh, yeah. of course, 44 goalies for 16. So 18 max 24 will get selected if they choose to go with four goalies, which I don't think that they will, given the fact that it's a new league. But yeah that's competitive slot to get into 100 percent. it's gonna make it's gonna make women's hockey extremely interesting to watch Mm -hmm. um and it's going to push the athletes as well i know that this hasn't been a problem with women's ice hockey because all the athletes are willing to push themselves to create the best product because we've been fighting for you know the representation that we deserve for so long Mm -hmm. but yeah, like you said, I think there's a hundred and your yeah, 268 uh forwards D and goalie combined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you do the numbers, like it's oh yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. And <laughs> like there's gonna be so much opportunity for growth as well. Like looking yeah. at uh I was I was actually okay, I have to say, I was actually really surprised that they put a team in Ottawa. I don't know why that I found that really? so surprising, but uh in the yeah. nation's capital, you're surprised. Yeah, I don't know. Whenever I think <laughs> of Canada, especially Ontario, like Ottawa is not the first place that I think of ever. 
Yeah, that's true. That is true. But I feel like it's central, right? So yeah. easy to get in and out of. It's yeah. relatively close for... I feel bad for Minnesota. Like Minnesota is like way out of the way for a lot of mm-hmm. teams and vice versa. Yeah. Well, they're going to have to fly everywhere. Fly everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine Minnesota know. bus ride to Montreal? Ew, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. And that wouldn't that would not really be the most professional experience either, so I hope they're not doing that. But I, don't I think also that understand able to. Yeah. But anywho, Uh, the league itself is great there's always things that we could look to to say that like maybe it could have been handled better I certainly feel for a lot of people in the PHF who had just re-signed contracts were really excited to to get another season going had an idea of where they needed to be Mm -hmm. signed leases to live places like all of these things um you know people lost their jobs which really really sucks um, and I don't know the ins and outs of all of it, but I think either way that it would have gone, people would have been unhappy. So I just hope that, um, as a league, they continue to learn from the experiences that they have literally trailblazing this new path. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we try to be better moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I know like the media, reports what they want to report I think so it's hard to really make many speculations or to analyze things when you don't have the inside scoop per se um yeah but like from the outside looking in the way that they handled this takeover was maybe not as uh progressive leadership as it should have been Uh, or friendly (laughs) yeah friendly for sure I don't know many takeovers that are friendly per se but um to read in in like the media outlets that you know they they had made promises that the staff uh, would keep similar or the same role in the new organization and then to have over 80 percent of them fired not long after yeah. uh, i think that shows a, a lack of leadership to to a certain extent of course and like i said there's only so much speculation that you can do from the outside looking in mm-hmm. uh, but that seems to me like a pretty pretty tough point especially because we've talked so much about the importance of good leadership and strong leadership and progressive leadership uh, in this day and age and how of course you're going to have a lot more buy-in from the people that you employ when you have these strategies in place rather than kind of like a you know leading misleading facts or or you know, lack of transparency. Yeah. 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 Well, and like the reality of it is, is hockey is an international game and I don't think you're ever going to see a hockey team in Canada. That is all Canadians or a hockey team in the U S that is all Americans and staff included. So the reality of what happened, like the P the PHF provided visas for players. Mm-hmm. So start thinking about it that way. Like you lose your rights to be in a country and it's all fine and good. If you have a family that you can go back to 
to live with for a little bit, but not everybody has that. Yeah. So the empathetic side of leadership is not only, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not just, but like, if you're not looking out for these things for people, it's kind of cruel in a way. Because mm-hmm. you've you've had people leave their lives, move to a new place, um, essentially become actually <laughs> an alien in another country by classification, mm-hmm. where they depend on you for their reason to be there. And then all of a sudden that's gone and you had given them no reason to believe that it would be. So there's no planning that's happened. There's nothing that could have prepared you for that. And that sucks. And I think it's anybody who's in that situation. I mean, we've certainly both been there on the visa side of things. Always it, on the visa side of things. It's not a fun place to be. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a fun place to be. Yeah. And it's tough because like, if you talk to any guy in men's hockey, whether he be coach or player, like visas of course are always taken care of by uh by the teams right like unless otherwise specified i'd say standard contract the team takes care of your visa and Mm -hmm. of course it's much easier for the teams to do that because in men's hockey they meet the financial requirements to provide a visa for them whereas in women's hockey it's not always the same so Mm -hmm. um like my experience and and being overseas and playing teams did not provide me visas. I had to find them on my own and figure out ways to secure them for myself. Um, Now that I'm in a different position, obviously not playing anymore and having my partner be coaching, it's maybe a little bit easier. So long as the team agrees that they will help me secure a visa. But even then, like if you talk to any, anyone in the men's side of, uh, of the sport, they're going to tell you, well, that's just part of the game. Like you can't just, uh, you can't just expect that it's going to be like sunshine and, and roses all the time, which, okay, fair enough. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side of this coin is like the women's game is just really starting to take off. Like we've just secured this, uh, this one league. So I surely hope that they thought about how they're going to be able to provide visas for these women. Um, yeah especially those who are are from overseas because many of them like you said are not going to have the option to just like find a family to hang out with uh other than like a teammate that's yeah. you know, willing to to put up for them but mm-hmm. but yeah like you need to be empathetic with with how those things are handled and yeah transparency and honesty is always the best policy in my opinion like i would yeah. much rather know upfront from the person's mouth like whether something is or is not going to happen then to have Mm -hmm. someone say one thing and then you know turn around and be completely and utterly shocked that the exact opposite just happened yeah yeah I'm I'm also interested to see like what the financials look like for people Mm -hmm. Um, because I know that part of this league is that they're saying they will be paying people a living wage so that they're able to move wherever they get drafted Mm-hmm. So for people that don't know, the way that the draft used to work in the CWHL, for example, is if you absolutely needed to live in a certain place. So for example, like myself, I was going to be in New England in uh, Massachusetts for grad school. So like that's where I was living and there happened to be a team there. 
So I had to play for that team. If I was going to play, you would put them as your number one team. And then you could choose to not put any other teams. Now, if you were someone who like, let's say you had a remote job, you could work from anywhere, then you could list three teams that you would be okay getting drafted to. It's not going to work like that anymore. I think it's where you get drafted is where you get drafted. Mm -hmm. And there's no borders on that, um, which is kind of cool because it makes it like an actual draft Mm -hmm. and you don't, you won't have like all of your Canadian Olympians being centered around Calgary or you won't have all your U.S. Olympians being centered in Minnesota, mm-hmm. which, you know, makes the teams a little wonky, but, um, you know, living wage, that's different in New York than it is in Ottawa. We're how are they going to, yeah, how are they going to handle that? Like, yeah, are they like gonna I, I wonder, are they going to handle the housing? Yeah, exactly. That's like the biggest thing, especially like signing a lease, for example, like whenever yeah. we move somewhere, the team sets us up with the housing we don't have to look for anything so yeah. I would hope that it's the same there and that it's like a great place or do they pay or do, are they paying them enough where they can sign their own leases I don't know mm-hmm. nah. that that do be a good question actually because you can <laughs> that say that you're you can say you're paying someone a living wage but if you're really just paying them the bare minimum and then they still have to go and get housing in this like economic situation Mm-hmm. that's tough that's tough yeah the housing market in Canada is the worst than it's ever been so I don't even like to think about the housing market in Canada anymore like it's so overpriced it's brutal oh my gosh yeah yep but it also should come as no surprise though that you see like Abby Roke for example she's uh committed to to New York right? Mm-hmm. Should not come as a surprise. Marie-Philippe Flynn in Montreal, Sarah Nurse in Toronto, like that's yeah. where most of these people are from, right? So it makes sense for them mm-hmm. to be centered where where they are already living. And of course, um, you know, not, maybe not playing on the American side for as like a Canadian Olympian. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's not surprising yeah. to see that that's how they've set it up so far. Yeah. Um, I, I will be interested though to see like when it's not the free agency rounds how that's going to play out because mm-hmm. um, obviously like the free agency was a little bit more selective they're pulling from a very specific tier of player i.e. all the Olympians yeah. um, so did they maybe have a little bit more say in where they were going or I, I would it's hard it's hard to say but yeah, and maybe they have guidelines in place for how many import players you can have on a team. I don't know. I'm excited to see how it all plays out because yeah. I think it's in Sweden. Are you allowed to have like five or six imports or something like that? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and I don't remember there ever being like a maybe like a limit in Norway, like three. Mm. Maybe same yeah. in Germany, like especially on the women's side, they don't really take a ton of imports per team, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it makes sense because it's costly. If you're going to support them, it's costly. Mm-hmm. Visas are freaking expensive. <laughs> Depending on where you are, I will say that. In Germany, well, in, in Canada and the US, they're pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. In Norway, <laughs> very expensive also. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about but, Sweden, but anyhow. Anywho, navigating navigating the world of women's professional sports and that always includes talking about 
international issues. Mm-hmm. Always, always. An international game. Yeah, but I want to just like quickly make a couple notes here. So they've named all of the, the head coaches for the team. So we need to make sure that we give a very honorable shout out to Corey Chevery, who is the yeah. head coach in Montreal. She was on our on our pod in its early days. I think it was like uh, fourth episode or something like that. That was like, yeah, yeah. And then also Alexis Miller, who was on the podcast, she is the director of player experience for the PWHL now. So yes, great that we've had some voices already on here, maybe get mm-hmm. them back on eventually. So that would be pretty cool. Absolutely. Uh, and of course, like congratulations to everybody who everybody who's like signed as, as a coach or on the staff there. Like that's, mm-hmm. it's, I don't know. It's it's a monumentous occasion. Like it's very exciting to be part of uh, part of something so so new. Yeah, and I can't wait to see how everything plays out. Yeah, there's a um, a great list of people on there, both female and male, who have been, you know, incredible uh, resources and advocates for women's sports, like. Just looking at the list of coaches, you've got, you know, Gina Kingsbury coming from Hockey Canada, um, Corey Chevery, um, oh, sorry, Courtney Kessel as well being named a head coach. Mm-hmm. But then when you look on the other side of it, Troy Ryan, who's with the National Women's Team in Canada, and then Brian Burke um, is the director, mm-hmm. and he has always been an outspoken supporter of women's sports. Um, I think we have really, really good people in place. Carla McLeod. Um, and then I can't remember uh, Howie Draper, who everybody in Canada West was incredibly surprised to hear that he left the University of Alberta women's program after 22 years at the helm. Um, so they must, all I'm saying is the names that they have on this list the resources they're providing have to be good because mm-hmm. people like Carla and Howie and um, Gina, Troy, like there's no way that they would have signed on if the resources weren't where they needed to be. Mm-hmm. Well, especially for coaches. Cause um, I mean, I don't know what the coaches were getting paid in the PHF by any means. And mm-hmm. uh, I know like, being a coach is like a battle. Like uh, I didn't realize yeah. how deeply competitive it really gets until meeting Ellie. Like once mm. I became aware of like the politics behind coaches and where they end up going. And like, I don't know, it's like such a volatile position because they can really just fire you any day that they want. Like there's not really like security, security, you know what I mean? Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's uh, it really is like you said, it's a job where you can get fired at any moment um, in a environment where a lot of the success metrics are wins and losses. Mm-hmm. And as a coach, you understand that there are success metrics that aren't that. Yeah. But you might be experiencing a lot of success in certain areas and be losing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's how it goes. But at the bottom line of it, if you don't have butts and seats, if you're not performing, if you're not bringing in revenue, 
and part of that is on the coach, right. To put a winning team together and to coach, um, on that edge of like pushing your players to be better, to match other teams, to be trying new things, to figure certain things out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a unique balance and it's one that I think keeps a lot of coaches up at night. It's one mm -hmm. that keeps a lot of coaches in their office for far too long yeah. and hence why uh, work-life balance in the coaching world is not great, which is a crusade that I'm on to start addressing. Mm -hmm. We should have a whole episode built around like work-life balance as a sports coach. Yeah. And then exist. I should, yeah, figure out how to actually manage that because honestly, it's like, for me, I mean, at the rink all day long, come back in the evening, so like mentally and physically tired that there's like nothing that you want to do. Yeah. And then it's like repeat the same next day up late because the, the games here are super late, get home after midnight up at 7 a.m. the next day still and still back at the rink all day long it gets it's a grind and so yeah. I I tip my hat to anybody in the coaching space uh because yeah. I don't uh I don't fancy being a coach like I could get on board with being like a goalie coach or something yeah. uh but to be a head or an assistant coach uh, no I think I'm a pass yeah I mean it's a lot right you go Monday through Thursday and then you play Friday Saturday or you go Tuesday through Friday and you play Saturday Sunday so like you are working a minimum of six days a week and the other day like even if you're not working you're probably thinking about it mm -hmm. and you're showing up to the rink like I show up to the rink if we practice at 4 30 I'm there at you know 11 12 o'clock after doing a bunch of other work at home and then you know especially being a new person on staff you're trying to create relationships trying to build that level of trust with your other coach you're brainstorming you're trying to figure out your systems like trust me you can kill four hours really quick mm -hmm. but then you know you look up and you're like holy cow I haven't been outside all day now I'm going to go on the ice for an hour and a half mm -hmm. and I'm going to leave the rink and it's going to be dark out yeah exactly like there's there's <laughs> been days where I get text messages where it's like oh I'm so hungry like it we haven't eaten anything since breakfast and it's like 11 p.m now yeah Hello. like we need to figure figure out yeah. how we work with that like you know what I mean yeah, yeah. and then how you handle the inevitable feeling of if you're not doing that if you don't feel like that feeling like you're not doing enough and that you're falling behind because that's what everybody else wants you to feel oh uh, I can feel it and I'm not even in that position like yeah. there's so many times where uh, it's like a mental battle and this is why we talk about this right because like there's days where I feel like I'm not doing enough I'm not doing enough but I know in reality like I'm already doing a lot and I should be like giving myself a little bit more compassion and maybe not being so hard on myself but then mm -hmm kind of that athlete mentality that I've lived by forever kicks in where it's like, well, if you're not doing enough, somebody else is doing more than you and they're going to get ahead. So you need to keep going. And you know what I mean? Like it's just uh, a constant yeah. cycle. The worst. I know that. I know that cycle very well. <laughs> the track is quite worn in on that one. <laughs> and it I feel like every athlete has that. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And it, it takes a lot to to stop it some days. Mm-hmm. And then and I'll be honest, other days I don't have any time for that cycle. And I'm like, no, like this is not how it works. You're telling yourself this story right now because your perfectionist mode is on overdrive. Number one, check in with where that's coming from, what triggered that for you, mm-hmm. and then um, get over it because it's not sustainable. You know it's going to make you miserable. And when you're miserable, you're not a good coach. So figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you're pushing yourself to the brink like that, not just physically, but also mentally, and you're if you are like falling into those perfectionist traps that tend to come up you kind of put yourself in survival mode. So you're not even being as efficient or as productive as you could be. And you're actually hurting yourself a lot more than you are helping. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And a reason for a lot of this in women's hockey is because we don't have the adequate resources. Like you stay up as a coach breaking down film when in the men's game, they have a video coach who does that who started doing it while the game was going on Mm -hmm. so that it's finished within hours of the game being done. Yeah. You worry about making sure that players have all the equipment that they have because you don't have an equipment manager who it's their job to do that on the men's side. Mm -hmm. You worry about, you know, planning meals, booking hotels, booking flights because you don't have a travel manager or a hockey ops who does that for you on the male side. So Again, to bring this conversation full circle, there are a lot of things for coaches that are out of your control. Um, and sometimes resources is one of them, but I really hope that the PWHL gets the resource thing under control because these women and men that are going into this venture this year deserve to have all the resources that they require to yeah. put the best product out on the ice. Yeah. And like, they, that's what they have to do, right? Like this is like the inaugural season. It has to be something that's going to bring the people in and yeah. grow and engage the audience more as the season goes on, especially because they're jamming a full season into a smaller time frame as well. Right. Yeah. So like, this is completely new territory. I don't know how they're going to manage a full season in like four months, but yeah. Well, I think, it's, what is it, like 30 games or something like that? Yeah, maybe. So it it might be like, it might be a lot. There's probably going to be some midweek games, which honestly, I love. Mm. Um, But I think, I think they'll get it done. Well, it's a good thing that. that they have so many people on that, uh, that players list, because having that <laughs> many games, there's definitely going to be some people that get, uh, redshirted because there's going to be some injuries absolutely oh yeah we're there's definitely going to be like an IR for every weekend and I hope that they have uh things in place for players that maybe aren't um like selected super high in the draft but Mm -hmm. certainly still make a roster maybe as like uh, a call-up player or a reserve player Mm -hmm. um because like again those are like The NHL has, what, two farm leagues (laughs) that Mm -hmm. are full of teams? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just pull players up whenever they need. Yeah, the players are like, just like a resource. Like, it's like, all right, here we go. We'll just take you, throw you up here. That's good to go. At least you have someone to fill the spot. But if, uh, if they have no reserve list and 
if those who are reserved don't have a place to play, that's going to be interesting as well. Yeah. Yeah. And if those who are on reserve, like if they don't live in the region because they're technically not on a roster. Yeah. But they're expected to like to stay in shape. And what are they getting paid? What are they getting paid to do that? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of questions, but I think also a lot of excitement. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm stoked. I hope that the, like, do we know like where it's going to be televised? Do we the know draft? who has the rights? Not the, not the draft, the actual season itself. Do they have a oh. provider for that yet? Have they secured like know. media or is it going to be like streaming online again? Like, how are we doing this? Because as someone who's living in Europe, I'm going to have to be watching the game like the next day or staying up super late, which yeah, at my age, we don't do anymore. Hmm. I don't know. I was just looking it up. I don't know that they have broadcast rights set up yet. But maybe ESPN will jump on that bandwagon or something. Right. But I did I did find um under the collective bargaining agreement which by the way the pwhl is the first professional league to have a cba in place before a game has ever been played mm-hmm. which is groundbreaking um players will earn a minimum salary of 35,000 and an average salary of 55 during the inaugural season the league has also committed to signing no fewer than six players on each team to three-year contracts of no less than 80,000 per season Okay, so the people who have already signed most likely then are on three-year contracts for 80,000. And again, unsurprisingly, it is our our national team stars, of course. Yeah, 100%. And it kind of, it always brings me back to the same conversation about like, they're the best of the best and they deserve to be paid in a way that reflects that. Mm -hmm. But they're also receiving money from their sponsors. olympic committees and and yeah sponsors as well too and sponsors yeah partnership so like, deals there's so many yeah so i want them to get paid the most but also like there's there there are people who need the money more from that mm-hmm. single stream of income <laughs> yeah yeah that's always like a, a tough mm, a tough line it is tough like yeah. it's like oh but like whatever. I, I see where you're coming from, of course. And like I kind of have like similar views because yeah. they they're already representing the country. Like you said, they have the the money from the Olympic Committee and then also like so many brand deals or sponsorships where they just like get fed clothing yeah. or I don't know, L'Oreal or whatever. I don't I have no idea. But you know, like there's so many more opportunities for them because they're more well known, of course. But it's not, it's not on them to make a sacrifice so Mm -hmm. that other people can make more. Like this is where we need more marketing. We need more players to be in the forefront of conversations about the women's game. This is where we need more support for those players who aren't with an Olympic committee who are helping them do that. Because that's part of being an Olympic level athlete is you get marketing training. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You learn how to market yourself you get brand deals pushed towards you based on who you are and what you want to represent. Right. So mm-hmm. like, it's not, a, it's not on those players. That's not what I'm saying. It's not on those players to say like, 
oh no, I don't want to make $80,000. Imagine. No, that's not what it's about. It's like, we got to get on board with supporting every player, not just, Mm. you know, the top few. And that starts with marketing dollars. Mm -hmm. Well, and And I I think it's, I think it's going to be a really great first season. Um, We've also had um, Caroline from Goals Sports on our podcast before, and she's like blowing it up big. She's really making a huge impact in the women's sports marketing Mm -hmm. industry, like really doing amazing work there. And I don't know if you saw, but recently Mm -hmm. she maybe it was actually like yesterday or something released a a podcast episode with Hillary Knight talking about the PWHL. So if you haven't already given that a listen, I would recommend you go and give that a listen and we'll plug it in the show notes for anybody who wants to listen as well. Love that. Love that. Yeah. She's like, she's big time. If you don't follow goal sports on Instagram or I don't know what the handle is on TikTok. Um, go look it up, give her a follow because she posts some unreal stuff, whether it's just like hitting you with some hard facts about the women's game and where we're not good enough to following the the trailblazing of it all and like new updates on you know contracts or what's going on in the WNBA, what's going on in the PWHL, like she's an unreal source of information on everything women's sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love, I love just like seeing her content roll across my page every time. I'm like, oh, yes. Give me more. Yes, yes absolutely. <laughs> but I know we are coming up close to an hour now. So uh, that all that being said, uh, super, super excited about this inaugural season that's going to unfold before us in the upcoming months and to see how this draft goes today can't wait to see where yes. people are placed um and also like go and check out the website first of all uh it's the pwhl.com they have some updates and information there that might be helpful if you haven't you know been in the loop on what's going on with the pwhl and there's also opportunity yep. to look at partnerships to do some advertising with them as well so jump on that bandwagon so we can maybe help support a little bit in terms of like pushing up the marketing for women's sports yes absolutely (laughs) absolutely but all that being said happy to be back on the mic with you Lou it's been far too long thank you thank you I am happy to be back as well and uh we'll be back next Wednesday every Wednesday for I don't know how long (laughs) (laughs) until we decide that we've made our point and then we'll take a break and we'll come up with a new point to make there we go that's the game plan (laughs) good strategy (laughs) yeah Yeah. all right best strategy is a half strategy apparently which is not don't ever take that advice ever find a strategy everybody Which is what our homework is leading from this conversation, apparently. Yeah, I think so. I think we're going to have to figure that out. (laughs) Yeah. But as always, uh, thank you so much for tuning in to listening to our shenanigans uh, for the first time in a long time. And we will see you hopefully again next Wednesday. No promises, but 
fingers crossed that it's how it goes. <laughs> it's gonna happen. I'm willing it into existence. <laughs> Perfect. Mm, manifest that shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs>